0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here in Nashville Predators podcast on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. I'm your host. You can follow me at Braden Gall. His name is Adam Vingen. and you can follow him at Adam Vingen. See, this on is the Twitter. part. This is the part of the <laughs> podcast. This is the part of the podcast where we promote who we are. Uh,
1: I thought that was your job to introduce me. We, well, you I, are you are the moderator.
0: Well, our voices sound so much alike that I want. Do they? <laughs> I want people to know exactly who's speaking. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 like a ver- an audio tag for the listener out there to make sure they can tell the difference between our voices. Uh, all right, we've got a boatload of stuff to do on the show today. We we've got the Preds cleaning house. We've got trades. We've got draft picks. We've got now we've got cap space. We've got free agency coming soon. So we've got a ton of stuff to get to. On the program, uh, but before we do that, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Please share it with everybody that you know. This is something we're going to be doing, Adam, all throughout the season. We may add extra episodes once the season starts. So please join the party, rate, review, and subscribe, and share. And of course, in that process, make sure you pay for good journal- journalism as well. A lot of good stuff on the Athletic this week
1: as it pertains to the NHL. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I, I thought we as a nhl team crushed it uh for the nhl draft our, our draft experts specifically Corey prunman and scott wheeler did such a tremendous job i mean they they basically start preparing for the draft the day after the previous draft ends i believe Corey, today we were recording this today thursday i've lost track of yes time. So it's, it's thursday uh, morning it yeah. is thursday morning um, Corey already has an article ranking his best draft eligible prospects for next year's draft. So the work never stops. Um, <laughs> I-, I thought uh, all of our reporters did a really great job covering their teams. Um, so when you are looking for uh, comprehensive NHL coverage during the busiest point of the off season. Other than the gold standard, there is really nowhere else to go but the athletic.com. There's plenty of space for all of it. If you'd like to listen to high-quality
0: Preds content, you come here. If you'd like to read high-quality Preds content, you go to The Athletic. And on top of that, really good analysis from other writers from around the, the league. Like, it, for example, if you made a trade with the Wild, you'd want to contact somebody from Minnesota that covers the team and have them chime in on what the Predators are getting when they make a trade. So that's the kind of stuff you get at The Athletic. So pay for good journalism. Subscribe, please, of course to The Athletic. Before we get into all the the huge news, Adam, just my my first question is how we had talked a lot about Nick Bonino getting traded. You had talked a lot about that. We've talked a lot about Kyle Turris, it seems like forever. Uh, And now that saga appears to have come to an end. Take people through what Wednesday morning was like for you. How surprised were you that it all went down when it did? It seemed like it all sort of happened at one time before the draft began. What was that day like for you as a beat reporter covering the Nashville Predators? And normally we would be posting this show every morning on Thursday, bright and early for you guys. But you were so busy because you had so much stuff to get to. Try to take people through what that process is like and how surprised were you that it all happened at once?
1: Well, every year leading into the draft, we are led to believe that it's going to be crazy. The first day of the draft is going to be crazy. There are going to be lots of trades, lots of movement. And then nothing happens. The same thing happened last year, too. And of course, as you all remember, the second day of the NHL draft last year is the day that the Predators traded P.K. Subban to the New Jersey Devils. So a lot of stuff typically happens on the second day of the NHL draft versus the first day. So I had a feeling waking up yesterday morning that it was going to be a busier day around the league. And right as the draft started, the Pittsburgh Penguins traded Matt Murray to the Ottawa Senators, so you knew it was going to be a busy day. <laughs> um, I believe it was Elliot Freeman who first uh, notified the world that the Predators and Wild were working on a trade involving Nick Bonino. It was then uh, uh, discovered a couple of minutes later uh, the the specifics of the trade. So you're, you're scrambling a little bit just. You know, getting in touch, at least I am, getting in touch with, um, you know, I got in touch with Michael Russo, who covers the Minnesota Wild, to get his perspective on it. I touched base with my editors to discuss how we were going to handle that bit of news. And as we were uh, firming up those plans... (laughs) The news broke that the Predators were buying out Kyle Turst, also Steven Santini, but no one really cares about Steven Santini. Um, so at that point, you're just trying to dig yourself out as best you can. So, what, what does that mean? So I'm, I'm like trying, just trying to organize all the yeah, different I'm trying moves. to organize, you know, my plan of attack, you know, who to call, what to write, um, you know, everything like that. So, um, you know, quickly. Russo and I threw together a story analyzing the trade between the Wild and the, and the Predators, you know, mostly involving Nick Bonino and Luke Cunnan. There were draft picks involved in the swap as well. Um, so we knocked that out. I, you know, made a call to uh, Luke Cunnan's agent just to introduce myself. We talked. We got to know each other. Um, this is c- called reporting, yes, cunning is a restricted free agent, so just talk to him about what he's looking for in a, in, a, in, a, in a new deal um things like that just you know just chatting um and then you know you you do as much reporting as you can um you know i i I had you know as a reporter and Braden, you can and you can uh attest to this as well. Oftentimes, even if you don't have something firm about what a team may or may not do, if you are around the team all the time, you get these gut feelings about things, <laughs> and sometimes you plan ahead. You know when
0: something's up. So,
1: for example, yeah. this is not from yesterday. This is from uh, the beginning of the year. I had a feeling— in my gut after the Winter Classic that Peter Laviolette was going to be fired.
0: You and I have talked about this a I, lot.
1: I, I, I didn't know that it was going to happen so soon, but I just had a feeling.
0: Well, you got a non-answer answer
1: from yes.
0: David Poyle, correct? Yes. Around uh, around that time?
1: Yes. I just had this gut feeling that Peter was not going to be in the job for much longer. So I ha- I wrote a story about him being fired and just saved it. Just had it in the can. And then when it happened, I had... Instant analysis, and right, then I right. could jump on the other reporting, calling other uh, coaches who might have been in line for the job, um, seeing if they had been contacted, etc., etc. Right. Et so I started this, writing the skeleton of a Kyle Turst buyout story on Wednesday. Um, so I, I, you know, I already had some, you know, w- Wednesday ch- of
0: Wednesday of last week. You're Wednesday.
1: Saying? Two days. Oh, excuse me. Tuesday. Sorry. sorry okay. I, again, I've lost yeah, track yeah, of okay. days.
0: It's twenty twenty. Yes. Times a flash. The circle. day,
1: the first day of the draft. While it was slow, I was writing about Kyle Turris.
0: So let me let me ask you this: We have talked about that aspect. Fans have talked about that decision to keep him, try to write it out, try to trade him, dump the salary, take another bad salary, all the different options about with Kyle Turris. I I'm not sure my brain ever told me, or my gut, like you're talking about, ever told me. Man, they're just gonna put two million dollars on the cap for the next eight years. That's a lot to do, and to just hand a guy sixteen million dollars to not play for your team—good work if you can get it. Right. Uh, was there something that changed on on that when that moment hit you and you started to write that story, thinking, "Man, I think this is possible"? Was it just all the stuff that had built up, and it made the most sense? W- what was it that triggered you to write? I, to I begin that process,
1: I had a conversation with someone last week um, about Kyle and and here's where i felt like something might be up i asked this person if there was any reason to believe that kyle was not going to be on the team next season and it was a back and forth it was it was over it was over it was virtual so it was over gotcha. text message twitter message whatever and we it was a back and forth and i asked the question is there any reason to believe that Kyle will not be on the team next year? And the conversation stopped. I never got a response. Oh, and, nice. that's, and that's that's what tells you. And that's yeah. when I was like, okay, well, I just yep. think it was – I've used this phrase, phraseology before. It was the path of least resistance. Um, there were not going to be any takers for Kyle Terrace's contract. Too much term, too much money, yeah. not enough production. They had a hard deadline today i believe was the last day of potential buyouts with free agency starting tomorrow so the predators they had they were they had a hard deadline and and i figured that if the predators were going to make changes it may, if the predators were going to make changes the changes they made yesterday made the most sense um, there was a report from frank Saravali of tsn last week that the predators were listening on all of their centers including Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane. Yeah. My colleague Craig Custance at The Athletic wrote a couple of days ago, I think it was on Tuesday, that you know the Predators Everything's were— the Everything was on the table, Everything was on the table. And while I, I never rule out anything when it comes to David Poyle, if they were looking to move centers, the two that made the most sense were Nick Bonino and Kyle Turris. Yeah. One, because Nick Bonino had trade value, not just for the last two seasons, but his contract. And, and Kyle Turris, it just— wasn't going to. No one was going to take him. The only way they were going to get out of that contract was to buy him out. And I, you know, I, I wrote about I wrote about this t- uh, for the Athletic. It went up last night, and this is a conversation we can certainly have, where you know I made the argument, and the argument can be made. Let me rephrase that. The argument can be made that the Kyle's tourist trade was among the worst in David Poyle's career, and it's easy to say that in hindsight, and at times like this. We are prone to hyperbole. We are, and we are, in fact, in the sports media business. Hyperbole sure. is a class you learn in journalism. <laughs> um, so, bombast one hundred and one is the class.
0: Is, it, is uh, that a, is that the official title? Yes, bombast
1: like one hundred and one. It's a little easier <laughs> to accept than hot take one hundred and one. Um, but is there an embrace debate four hundred and one? That that is a graduate level course. Okay. Um, so when I when I. When I look at what the Predators gave up for Kyle Turris, oh, don't um, be, you, yeah. it, it's just we
0: were going to do this. You're doing it too early. I in know, the show. but it's
1: just <laughs> it's just hard to watch Sam Girard become an impact <laughs> defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche on a team that is clearly on the upswing. Yeah. I remember, I remember talking to Colin Wilson after he was traded to the Avalanche a couple of years ago, and this was right after the Predators went to the Stanley Cup final, and the Avalanche, I think, were like a 48-point team. They were one of the worst teams in the salary cap era. And I remember just BSing with him, and and he was telling me how excited he was to go to Colorado. And I was incredibly skeptical. I said, you're going from a team that just went to the Stanley Cup final to a team that didn't even crack 50 points. I, I, you know, I didn't say it like that, but I, I kind of chuckled. And then you know, I was thinking about it recently, and I said he was right. Yeah, he, it, you know, he he was right. the The avalanche are on the up and up, and the Predators are on the downswing.
0: I think you told that story on the last podcast, actually. Yes, I think so. Sorry, you talk a lot about the Preds. Yes, on a lot of different places. Yeah, like this is the best one, of course. But no, but, it's it's it, yeah. it is. It it was clearly, you know, prescient of him. Like he 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 clearly saw what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, so we're going to we're going to attack Kyle Turris and Nick Benino separately a little bit here but we can kind of lump them together and and again so not surprised is what it sounds like and I you know no. I, it's 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 one of those moments where you see it break and you're like oh this is a big deal this is happening but then you kind of think about it and you go this is something we've talked about on this show and people have talked about around pred circles for a long time and you know Benino like you said it was an it was an obvious chip that they could get he something he was their best trade asset right and it does and we will discuss whether or not, you, you know, the, whether Luke Cunnan makes them better than Nick Benino or not. I, I think the answer is pretty obvious. In the but,
1: short term, the answer is no.
0: Right. So we, we can discuss those things. And then Taurus, you know, again, don't go back and look what they traded to get Kyle Taurus and the amount of money. It's not going to make you feel good as a Preds fan. I do think that there's a... And, and okay, maybe we're just in it now. <laughs> we're just already in the <laughs> Kyle Taurus conversation because I, I, one of the feelings I've gotten watching this unfold and, and reading your work and seeing all the commentary about the tourist trade to get him. It does feel like a, a signature is not the right word. It feels like a linchpin moment post Stanley cup. That the, the, there's a buildup and the cup happens and all that stuff. There's like pre cup and post cup in national predators history. Okay. And post cup that, that trade feels like the thing that has changed the franchise the most. And it, and it and it hasn't really on the ice necessarily, but it feels like that's the biggest move. And I know getting Matt Duchesne, and I know there's you know there's a lot of other stuff, but I don't. Maybe I'm not explaining this well enough. It feels like if you want to point to a moment, and say that's where the whatever you want to call it, the decline, the slide, the whatever, you've you've used the word irre- irrelevance to describe where the Preds are at this offseason. That feels like the moment you point to. Does
1: that make sense? The tourist trade? Yeah. I, well, what's interesting. You
0: can trace it back well, to that.
1: Well, to 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 bar, to borrow some jargon from the kids. David Poyle was thirsty for Matt Duchesne. No question. He was thirsty for Matt Duchesne. And before that Matt trade,
0: Duchesne it, was walking around thirst trapping though. <laughs> right? He's out there like tweeting about the Preds, like "come get me," like
1: wearing the cowboy hat, right, like, the All Star Game. To be, all, you know, to be that. fair, he was yes, out there it, on TikTok. It was, it was thirst mutual trapping. thirst. It was mutual thirst. <laughs> is that what the kids say? By the I, way, I don't know. Uh, the only <laughs> thirst I experience is, you know, Gatorade. You yeah. know, to quench that thirst. <laughs> yes. Um. But a- anyway, you're not uh, a dad yet. You can't no, make. No, I'm not tempts. a dad yet. I'm a dog dad, but not a human dad. That's true. Um. But anyway, so. The Predators wanted Duchesne at the time they wanted they got the tourist trade. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was kind of it was kind of funny in a way that what there was finally a transaction involving the Predators and Matt Duchesne, but it didn't involve Matt Duchesne going to
0: Nashville. It, it was like David Poyle was at the bar, it was two AM or one fifty, and Matt Duchesne's there, but Matt Duchesne's friend was interested in David Poyle. That's what it feels like. <laughs> That's what it feels like.
1: I'm not much of a bar. I wasn't. I haven't a been bar to goer. one.
0: I haven't been to one in like a decade.
1: But uh, but no one's going. Well, people are going to bars. Do, right do
0: now. you? But do you follow what I'm saying? Though yes, it's all, it was clearly second. He was a
1: consolation prize. Yes, exactly. It always felt like Kyle Turris was a Matt Duchesne consolation prize, and it started off really well. I mean, as I wrote yesterday, he had 17 points in his first 17 games with the franchise, and then it went all downhill from there. And statistically the second line of Kevin Fiala, Kyle Turse, and Craig Smith during the regular season yeah, in the 17-18 season was excellent. But they were non-existent in the postseason, specifically against the Winnipeg Jets. And from there, it just felt like you know, Kyle Turris was a misshapen puzzle piece that the Predators were trying to hammer into the puzzle yeah. any way they could, and it just wouldn't work. One thing that I found to be very interesting as I was doing my research yesterday, Kyle Turris played at least 60 minutes of five-on-five ice time with 11 different forwards last season. There was no consistency yeah. with who he was playing with and some of that and had two coaching staffs and had two coaching staffs you yeah. know the the best teams it's not that you know line changes happen all the time and i don't know where that number fits in the in the hierarchy of of you know line blending but 11 different line mates of at least 60 minutes of ice time they could not find yeah. a place for him and and that is what ultimately led, I think, to the demise, is that they tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it didn't even matter. Anyway, I had to do that. But the, no, no. I, I, <laughs> did you, did you get, now you got the Lincoln Park reference. Yeah, they, yes, that
0: that is a deep cut for for me personally. It took you a while to figure that out. I it, was like, t- why aren't you laughing? No, no, it did because I well because I've blocked out a lot of what I, I did in high school. Adam, just like my high school years are not my proudest. <laughs> Lincoln Park moments. had some staying power. But for, rest
1: in peace, Chester Bennington.
0: Well, and and when the when the first main. <sighs> You know, dun, 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 whatever the first main song is. And now um, I can't remember what it is. The first m- big hit off the. One that, step closer. That would have been like my. Hybrid theory. Yeah, that would have been my, what, 98, 99? That would have been my junior and senior year of high school. So, like, right in my most awkward phase of life, which still is probably. I continuing. did love me some hard Today.
1: rock back in the day.
0: Oh, I had no problem with. Uh, I grew up, see, I, I'm older than you. I th- That time for you, which would have been like, you'd have been like, what, 10, 11 years old at yeah. that, around that time? That for me was Nirvana Nevermind. Um, grunge. It was the grunge revolution from Seattle with Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and you know Pearl Jam and, and yes. Sublime, I was like. born.
1: I, I I came of age in the and the rap rock.
0: You were a Cash Money Millionaire, <laughs> is what you were.
1: I, you know it was it was <laughs> Lincoln Park and it was Corn and it was Limp Biscuit. And it was Papa Roach.
0: See, all that stuff was my my junior and senior year of high school. And a lot of it was in the locker room for football. I played football. And so a lot of it was in the locker room. For, anyway. S- for sure. All right. So it sounds like you might be on board with me that if you're going to trace this entire path, lo- big picture of the Nashville Predators to where they are today from the Stanley Cup final. And, and really, again, that team you just talked about won the president's trophy, <laughs> you know, the one that had Kyle Turris on it. Won the president's trophy in 1718. Do you, are you with me then that you can trace it? If you're going to try to start and put a moment on it, that you can kind of trace it back to that move. It is that, is that just unfair?
1: Well, what's interesting is you can lump Nick Bonino into this conversation too. And here's why the predators. If I, if I recall correctly signed Nick Bonino following the Stanley cup final run in 2017 right. with the intention of him being their second line center. Yeah, that didn't work. So they traded for Kyle Turris. I mean, but I. That's, re-
0: but that's that means that means they would have given it a month.
1: Well, the thing about right? Nick, well, if you remember, Nick Bonino, he broke his leg in the Stanley Cup final. Remember? Yep. So he he was out for the off season. He participated in training camp with the Predators in 2017, but he didn't play in any preseason games. That's right. So his his Predators debut was their season opener in Boston in 2017. <sighs> He was injured like three or four games in. Was that
0: Charlie McAvoy's first game?
1: That was, I don't, I don't know if it was McAvoy's first game. And I think but he scored his first game. It was, it was Jake Dubrasck's. It was okay. Jake DeBrusque scored his first NHL oh, that's, goal in that's that, that game. What it was. Okay. But the, I believe so. But the point being that Nick Bonino, you know, barely had an opportunity to play. But I think, I feel like the Kyle Turris trade was almost, and this is just my opinion was a the Kyle Turris trade was a maybe I don't want to say overreaction but perhaps to Nick Bonino not panning out as a second line center Nick Bonino as we have seen in Nashville as we saw in Nashville pretty good center is a perfect third line center yeah Nick Bonino should not be your second line center I think I mean, I'm, it's almost as if I'm blaming Nick Benino for Kyle Turris, <laughs> but I think <laughs> the two go fair. hand in hand. Also, I just want to make—I just also want to say this: I, I went back and listened to Nick Benino's uh, Minnesota introductory Zoom call, and was ta- And somebody asked him if he was surprised about the move, and he says, "I've been—I've been, be- I've been uh, traded on Twitter for the last three years." So, first of sounds- all, he's name searching. I was
0: gonna say, sounds like he's listening.
1: One, he's name searching. Two. I mean, you know who you are. I mean, I've been on that train for two years. I thought they should have traded him last summer. But do you think uh,
0: Nick Benino was calling you out?
1: Who knows? Nick ben- <laughs> Nick Benino and I never really had the best relationship. Let's it, let's just interesting. put it that way.
0: Benino's uh, he, he's got an interesting reputation.
1: I think I I respect Nick. all the
0: things that make you make think about this. How about this? All, all, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. All the things that make him good at what he does on the ice. Yeah. Just imagine those personality traits in real life. Does that sound right?
1: <laughs> yeah, he—he's not a like. This is what I always say. Like, he's not a bad person. Right. There are there. Are, he's not a bad person. Uh, I think he. You know, he is a. He was the kind of person that team needed from a temperament standpoint in the dressing room and on the ice. But he wasn't the most media friendly, yes. and he's never been media friendly. Even before he's not a touchy feely guy, right? Yeah. Uh, he and I uh, had a difference of opinion about. Whether or not he was worth what they paid for him, um, <laughs> did in, you tell him this? No, hey but, dude, you're not worth four point one. No, well, quick story. <laughs> I, I remember, I, I, I wrote a story like in late October of 2017, where I basically said this was, you know, Nick Benino was their prize free agent acquisition, and three months later, we have no idea what we have because he's been injured, right? And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, and. There was, you know, I, I don't think he appreciated that yeah, um, it's part of the job. And, and that's and that is fine. Um, I appreciate, you know, he was he was good after games. He told it like it is. You know, I appreciate that. You know, will I miss him in the dressing room having to <laughs> interview him? Probably not. All right. But I like think, that. you know, but I think he was the Predators best trade asset. And yeah.
0: All right. So. I guess the last question with the trade to well, I guess we'll get to to Kunin here in a second because he's a restricted free agent, so people need to know that he's not under contract. They will begin working on that. I think he was getting, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say right around eight hundred thousand dollars a year from Minnesota. So I'm his prob-
1: qualifying offer is around eight hundred seventy-five thousand dollars.
0: So max, he's about a million a year player. Let's let's yes, let's he call does
1: him. not have arbitration rights, and my understanding is that the conversations. I've had a contract with Minnesota. It never happened or serious conversations. I believe they were waiting until after the draft and free agency okay. to have those conversations. So I assume the Predators are going to do the same thing. There is no rush. He is a restricted free agent. He is under yep. team control. It's not if, if they don't sign him today, he's going to market tomorrow. Um, but, you know, I don't see Luke Cunnan breaking the bank. I mean, I could see him being anywhere between a $1 and $1.5 million okay. player. That seems to be reasonable.
0: Twenty two years old, a winger. Uh, he's Or a uni- center. Or center. He, he can play both. He's a University of Wisconsin product, so losing Craig Smith, the, the the Predators had to reach their quota of having at least one University of Wisconsin player on the roster. What, what's funny so, is
1: that he train he, he usually lives in Madison during the summers, during <laughs> the off seasons, and he trains with Craig Smith. Uh, he's Luke stayed in Minnesota this summer just because it, you know yeah. with, with everything that's going on in the world. But <laughs> You know he knows Craig Smith from the Wisconsin connection. He knows Mikhail Granlund because they were teammates, and you know knows he Kevin Fiala. To, he to, yeah, yeah, you had to break <laughs> it to him yesterday that neither of those guys are going to be here. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it, it's I don't know what you make of him. The metrics, you're a metric guy, you're an advanced stats guy. Um, I the the traditional scouting report on him sounds appealing. Twenty two years old, affordable, willing to 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 play in the dirty areas. He can play penalty kill maybe, maybe contribute on the power play a little bit. He's not a a big time goal scorer, but might be able to chip in 10 or 12 or 15 goals, maybe, uh, at his best. If he develops that, that's sort of the scale. And again, versatility there, he can play wing or he can play center. What's interesting though, is if you look at the the metrics, the advanced stat nerds on this one, Adam, of which I would put you into that category, um, do not love his game. Is he a, is he automatically penciled in as a starting player on this roster for in Game 1, which I guess will now be announced, I guess, January 1st, right? So we're going to have a season starting in January?
1: That is the plan of the league uh, targeting a January 1st start date. I personally have, and I think we talked about this, I think it would be great if the first game was the Winter Classic. I'm not sure if that's feasible. Which,
0: which now Luke Cunningham will not be able to play which in. Which Luke Cunningham will <laughs> not be playing in.
1: But Luke Cunningham was a first-round pick four years ago. Um, he's got quite the the pedigree. For a young player, I believe he captained the, a, 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 you know, an under twenty yeah. USA team. Um, Scored yeah. a bunch at Wisconsin. And, yeah, so he so. he's a good player. In the short term, the Wild got the better player because Nick Bonino is more established. But I I think Cunning you know the most important thing about this trade is one, they shaved nine years off of a roster player because they <laughs> traded a 31 year old for a 22 year old or 30. It was actually I think 10 years. I think Benito might be 32. So they 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 shaved off 10 years because they acquired a 22 year old for a 32 year old. They got a lot cheaper because I, I think Cundan's contract will be a quarter of what Benino's is from a cap hit standpoint. Yep. And I, I look at Cundan as you know a third line player. I, I think uh, at even strength, you know, I, I think he can center a line with someone like Rocco Grimaldi or Colton Sissons or.
0: I, I've got the projected lineup right here. Oh, you do, and we're gonna talk about it later on on the okay. show. And I've got cunning penciled in on the third line on the Okay, way. there you go. So we'll talk. So about that.
1: I think you know the the pre and we'll talk about this later too. You know, the technically Predators, it's ink. Actually, the Predators have you know some they they lost four top nine players this off season. <laughs> yes. You know Smith, Granlin, Turris, and Benino. So there are holes to be filled. Cunning presumably fills one. You think, you know, maybe Ellie Tolvanen, maybe Raka right, right, Trennan. All right, okay, all right. sorry, we're gonna get sorry, to the go we're, gonna ahead. Get, we're gonna get to the projected lineup. The, the, the point is that I think Cunnin, you know, Cunnin is he's not a flashy player. He he, you know, he has offensive ability. You know, my colleague. Uh, Michael Russo compared him to a poor man and he said it, he I, he said he says this affectionately he compares him to a poor man's Ryan Kessler um
0: I think that's exactly what this team needs um, I to be you know with
1: certainly you. they could use more bite in, in the lineup um so I am curious to see how that plays out yep. so will the return will Luke Cunning make a bigger difference than Nick Benino next season maybe not no. but in the long run, I, I think the Predators will will be happy with them. Okay,
0: okay that that's that makes me that makes me feel better about it. That is that's probably where I fell on it as well. Which ends the B- Benino turris conversation with all right eight point one million dollars now. If you earmark about a million of that, let's say roughly for Cunnin, mm-hmm. um, and again you just mentioned this, M- Mikhail Gremlin, Craig Smith, Kyle Turris, Dan Hamus, Yannick Weber, Steven Santini, uh, Nick Benino. This roster is going to look very different. Yeah. Very different. A lot of so, changes. So $8.1 million is what he's got now on top of some of the extra cap space. Which so he's wasn't got rich.
1: more than – David Poyle has more than $17 million in cap space.
0: So what is, in your opinion, there are a couple of contracts he has to worry about in the future mm-hmm. uh, doing the capology thing. you got Matthias Ekholm primarily, I think, right, is the biggest one. Philip Forsberg. And Forsberg coming up soon. So you have to plan for those. Obviously, Yossi's contract kicks in with this 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 season this season as well what is do you what what do you think his goal was with that amount of money is it to go out and do something in free agency is it to specifically stash some money for guys like Eckholm and forsberg is it um you know trading more pieces like what 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 do you think the goal was with all that money and where does he go with it from from here
1: well a couple of things about that first david poyle spoke to reporters last night and and I and I asked David Poyle a question that had been on my mind. I asked him if the Predators were operating under an internal salary cap. We of course know the cap is flat this season. Um, but that doesn't mean just because the salary cap is eighty one point five million doesn't mean that teams are going to be able to spend eighty one point five million because of the fact that there are no revenues coming in. So I asked David Poyle are you, are you working under an internal salary cap that is lower than 81.5? And he said, and I quote, I don't have any financial restrictions here. He said that ownership has given him the green light to spend as much money as he feels he needs to make this team competitive.
0: Which has been such a great strategy so far.
1: <laughs> but th- that was what came to mind. That was one of the things that came to mind when they shed so much salary yesterday. Was are they Do they need to get that far under because they're working under – an internal number that is lower than eighty one point five.
0: Tying that to future contracts
1: is what yes, you're saying. Yes. yes. So that so that was taken care of. And he, you know David Poyle says, you know, they're not changing their goaltending. So it's Pecarina and UC Saros. They're not changing their top four on defense. So it's Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, and Dante Fatrow. He they're he's talked about their top forwards playing well. And those top forwards are now Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. Victor Arvidsson, and Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. I don't see them going anywhere now either.
0: Okay. So You can't win games if you get rid of any of those pieces. Right.
1: So I so it sounds like David Poyle's priority, first priority in free agency tomorrow will be to shore up the defensive depth. Third pair specifically. So Yannick Weber gone. Dan Ham Hughes retired. Corbini and gone. Jared Tenorti, still there. Alex Carrier will get a shot. But I, I think the Predators want more veterans. War veteran options on the third pair or as extra defensemen
0: uh, by so, the way I also forgot Colin Blackwell as Colin well Blackwell, on, that, on that long list of just gone
1: yes so the Predators will not be retaining any of their unrestricted free agents it's
0: amazing so so my I mean obviously the fans first question I almost asked this because I feel like I have to ask this I don't think that it's the right move I don't think it's what he's going to do but I guess I have to ask about Taylor Hall. I, I just well, I, you're not
1: wrong to ask about it. There's
0: no other piece that makes sense from a big ticket item standpoint to me. And tell me if I'm wrong here. I don't see another big ticket item that is even worthy of consideration outside of him. And even that, I again, my personal opinion is you shouldn't do it, and I don't think he will do it. So that's I, that's my opinion. And
1: that's the other thing I asked David Poyle yesterday as well. Is after what happened with Kyle Turris and you can also throw in Mikhail Granlund after trading Kevin Fiala for Mikhail, for 1 year of Mikhail Granlund. Do they have to be extra careful with what they do in free agency and he said that they have to be prepared, they have to they have to they've done their research, they have to get it right. Is
0: uh, is it is it smart hockey strategy to allow your past decisions that maybe didn't work out to to affect you in a negative way, or is that smart hockey strategy? Well, does that make sense? I
1: think if you are a Predators fan and you are here, I mean, Pierre LeBrun at our website reported that the Predators are among the teams going after t- Taylor Hall, which makes sense, specifically because of his relationship with John Hines. Sure, and they have a hole on their left side on the second line, and he yeah. can fill it. Um, yeah, I got a big if, question if, mark right there. If you are a Predators, <laughs> yeah, if you are a Predators fan and you hear about your hear about your favorite team's interest in Taylor Hall. Here here are the reactions I got yesterday from sharing Pierre's story. One, oh please god no. Or two, if he's willing to take a short-term deal, then then they're on board. Apparently, reportedly, Taylor Hall is willing to consider any and all options, including shorter term contracts. He's not married to signing a seven year deal.
0: Does that change your opinion of, of if, whether or not they should go after him or not?
1: If he is willing to take a two or three year contract, I feel a lot better about it than yeah. I am a six or seven. I agree with that. Um, so if the, if Taylor Hall is willing to go short term, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, you know, but what
0: range are you talking? Seven million. Hmm. <laughs> Six and a half.
1: It probably would cost somewhere between... I mean, if it's a shorter-term deal, he the cap hit more. is going to be higher. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be between seven and eight.
0: So three for 22-ish.
1: Three for 24, three for okay. 22. I don't know. Um, somewhere in there. Yeah, but if you are... you look Think about all of the big ticket signings and acquisitions the Predators have made over the past several years. Kyle Turris, bombed. Mikhail Granlin, bombed. Matt Shane, not a good first year. You know, I, I I do not give Predators fans any guff about being nervous about this. But the but That's fair. But the but the issue at hand is as you said, without you know, Taylor Hall is is the big ticket free agent. Um at forward. I mean, the other option, the, you know, I think the second place option for teams that don't get Taylor Hall is going to be Mike Hoffman. And Mike Hoffman is in my opinion a one-dimensional player. He's very good at that one dimension. Yeah. He's a great he's a great goal scorer, but he's a defensive liability. It, Taylor Hall can at least play respectable on both ends of the ice.
0: It it's straight it reminds me of a quarterback who is throwing interceptions, right? Like James you, Winston. Like, like Jamie you you that, that's my question. And, and again, there's no right or wrong answer here because all... When the, I
1: think quarterbacks and interceptions, I think of Jameis Winston. <laughs>
0: that's, that's fair. And now he's on my team. But but the question is, the, it's one of those things, like, and Jameis Winston is actually a really good example of this. You want your quarterback to have a short memory. You want your quarterback to throw an interception and then put it behind them and, and move on to the next play so that they can execute the next play, right? You have to put it behind you. The fans can have that PTSD about signing big name free agents and, and seeing things that didn't work. I, I think you have to ignore all of it if you're Poyle. if you're if you're in charge and making the decisions, I think you need to be more like the quarterback who forgets the last play. Does that make because because you can't get alligator arms going over the middle like if you if you get popped one time by a safety and then you get scared to go over the middle, you're not doing your job as a receiver. There's a lot of football analogies here. Yes, what but you get you know what I'm saying. i I think you have to ignore what you've done in the past and what people are saying on Twitter and you have to say all right does taylor hall give us a chance to win and is it is the short term deal something he's willing to do and is the price right does it fit under the cap all that stuff and if it does then you go you go, um you know you go do it and you see if it works but i i personally maybe i'm the one who has the ptsd <laughs> maybe i'm the one who says all right i'm a little gun shy on doing something like this it didn't work let's try something different
1: right and This is the this is the rock and hard place that the Predators are caught between because they want to get younger. They want to have the ability to throw Ellie Tolman and players of that of that ilk into their lineup, which is important. And Luke Cunningham, I think, was a good addition in the sense that he is a younger player, but with NHL experience, that's something they needed. Um, you know, he's 22 years old, but he's played, what, three se- parts of three seasons in yep. the NHL. So, you know, that accomplishes two things for them. I, and I think that helps, you know, sort of, I don't know if insulate is the right word, but protect the, the younger prospects who don't have NHL experience. I, I wrote this last week that Tolvanen, Pitlick, and Trennan have a combined 29 games of NHL experience. And I think Trennan has like 26 of them. So I, I think you have to be really careful, um, but they also want to remain competitive. They, they, they do not want to, um, they, they do not want to sacrifice the opportunity to win, to get these younger players into the lineup. So if you're the Predators, what do you do? do you go all in on this youth and hope that your veterans that had down years, specifically those forwards have better seasons and prop the team up? Or do you go out and get a big time insurance policy like Taylor Hall? I think, Hmm. I, I think the, I mean, I wrote about this in, I think it was in July. God, it feels like forever ago, but leading into the series with the coyotes, I wrote a story about the relationship between John Hines and Taylor Hall. And, I spoke to Ray Shiro, the former GM of the New Jersey Devils, who was there, the one who acquired Taylor Hall, the one who was there when Taylor Hall won the MVP. And he talked about just how much respect John and Taylor have for each other. I mean, Taylor has said in interviews uh, that John uh, gave him more accountability than any other coach he's ever had. Um, So they like each other you know it, it it was not a it, you know it wasn't a uh, coincidence that uh, I, Taylor won the Hart trophy with John as his coach yeah. so i think if what's working in the predator's favor is that they have someone in their building who can speak to what Taylor Hall can do because John Hines had a front row seat to the best of Taylor Hall so, we wanna... so that gives you a, I, yeah. that gives that should give you a little more comfort about the possibility of Taylor Hall, knowing that John Hines, perhaps more than anybody, knows what Taylor Hall can bring to a team.
0: And and you're and obviously those conversations are happening closed door between the front office and the head coach. I would assume that maybe not all players does John Hines have a lot of input on, but maybe this one he's, he's got a lot more input on it, and I, w- I would hope that's the case. So looking at this projected roster, Real quickly here, because we I do want to get to the draft because I am I am interested in Yaroslav Askarov. I am <laughs> interested in and all the Lukes, So I'm interested in that.
1: I don't know much about the Luke's. Uh, uh,
0: neither do I, but
1: but they, they drafted Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, which yeah, is it, enough for me. Fantastic name in the seventh round.
0: Um 33 92 and nine, top line. Okay, we're good.
1: Three okay. Thirty yeah, it's Forsberg, Johansson Arvin. Done. Yeah. Okay.
0: Matt Duchesne, center, second line. I have a question mark on the left yes. and Ellie and question mark on the right.
1: That would be, that would be how I would slot it okay. right now as well.
0: I've got Colton Sissons.
1: On the left or the center?
0: Center of the third line. Okay. With Rocco Grimaldi on his right and Cunnan on his left or whatever, vice versa.
1: Yeah. That's my
0: guess right now.
1: Grimaldi, Sissons, Cunnan. Yep. Yes. That's my guess. That seems like a reasonable line.
0: Fourth line. Uh-huh. And this is where... It is nice to have a piece like Cali Yarncroke because he could play wing on the second line. Yes. He could play center on the fourth line. Yes. So, as of right now, I have kind of have 19 in both of those slots. Okay. But let's say he's the center on the fourth line. You've got Austin Watson and then Yakov Trenin,
1: probably. Trenin, Yarncroke, Watson.
0: As the fourth line? Yeah. And that's without signing a big free agent at all unless you put Yarncroke on the top line. Then you need to find a center you could throw on the line. you
1: could throw Ren Pitlick into that conversation that's the other um, name and maybe as the extra um you you know the, the the big the x factor in all of this is um the big the x factor in all of this is um Philip Tomasino um,
0: you think you think he's worthy of being in the conversation after one season in the system
1: yes i i think okay. he is, that's I good think, news for preds fans i think he is worth being in the conversation I think he will be given every opportunity whenever training camp is. I guess it will be in December, hopefully. Um, he will be given every he will be given every um, opportunity to make the team. You know, the issue that they face with Tomasino, as they do with most younger kids who play in juniors because of the CHL NHL agreement, that Tomasino can't go to Milwaukee. He either has to make the Predators or go back to junior. Yeah. So, you know, is Philip Tomasino – would another year in junior benefit Philip Tomasino? He had 100 points in like 60 games. You know, <laughs> does he need another year of yeah. beating up kids? I don't know. Um, but it wouldn't hurt.
0: But but is 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 on average six minutes of ice time a game because you're on the you're you're scratched some nights and you're playing other. You know, like is that good for your development too? Right, like it's the old is is regular reps good for you or is experience with the big guys good for you? Right, I mean that's the right. question. That I think you have to ask there. I think it's I think it's a great thing and good news for Predators fans that you think that he's in the conversation to make the team out of camp.
1: I think As the, as a
0: player who got drafted last year.
1: And the other thing too that you can, you know, keep in mind is that um that you can keep in mind is that oftentimes players like Thomas, you know, on entry level contracts, teams will have them stick around and, you know, they can play I think it's eight games eight or nine games without burning the first year of their entry level contract. So maybe Tomasino gets into five or six games at the beginning of the season. If the Predators say, we don't think he's ready for prime time or there's not a regular spot in the line for him, they can send him back to junior. Um, can
0: you bring him back at the end of the year then when they were? Y- yes. For, for, I for the rest that of is, those four or five games. I
1: believe that is, um, I believe that is possible. That,
0: that sounds like the most likely situation. Yes. Is you test him out and then he goes back dominates some more, comes back, gets another test, and then you see if he makes the postseason roster. Should they make the postseason?
1: I, I mean he was among the players at the at the training camp. I mean he what's interesting is that he actually never participated in any of the major groups, but he was with the team before training camp perform, per, Excuse me, participating in the informal workouts so he was around the team as they prepared to go to the bubble. You know, I don't think that was a coincidence.
0: Your projected third line defense pairing because I don't think anyone's we don't even need to talk about the top top two but w- what is your projected is, is that Carrier and based on, Tenorti? Based like what? on
1: what they have right now it's Tenorti and Carrier. Okay. I mean they they have experience as a pair in Milwaukee so they're familiar with each other um but my hope is that the Predators sign a veteran specifically one on the left side I have more confidence in Carrier than I do in tonorty David Poyle loves him some Jared tonorty. I personally <laughs> don't see it I I like Jared I think he's a great story he gives um, them
0: something very different than as David Ellis and said, Yossi and... he
1: gives them he has an element like that one the one word that David Poyle has continued to use over the last couple of weeks is element as an element guys. You know he mentioned that he've mentioned that Jared Tenorti brings an element that's different from the top four. He mentioned element yep. players like Matthew Olivier or Michael McCarron in Milwaukee, guys who are hard, quote unquote, hard to play against, and bring grit and all of those other adjectives you associate with players who aren't incredibly offensively talented but are big and mean. So
0: sandpaper, right?
1: So like I think if the predator, I think the predator fecal is,
0: agitators.
1: Huh, you can say shit disturbers on this podcast. Yes, I love it. But the, Stir some shit up. But the the point being that if the Predators are going to look for those kinds of players, I think they should go out and get someone who actually like is good and can do that. <laughs> like I, I like I I I'm on the uh, I'm with you on that. I'm on the Patrick Maroon train.
0: You've said that a lot. I, I yeah. you
1: know I'm I'm sure his price is going to go way up because he's now been on the Stanley Cup champions on two different teams, two years in a row. Um, but. I like I like the idea of Patrick Maroon. Where
0: does he Where does he fit in? He's
1: a third liner, third or fourth liner okay. on this team. Okay, with a with a you know power play net front guy. But like, look, so you
0: could put Cunning down on the fourth line as a center. Put Maroon as the winger on the third line, and keep Yankov on the second line. It still doesn't solve your second line. No, problems.
1: it doesn't. But like, I did a story a couple of weeks ago where I looked at three possible Predators reunions that might make sense. One of them has already gone by the wayside. Uh, the Penguins traded Patrick Hornquist to the Florida Panthers, but like, well, the fans would go bananas for that. But I think, I th- like, I really liked what Brian Boyle brought to this group. Like, you know, Brian, interesting. Boyle, I, well, not saying that they should go out and resign Brian Boyle, who's going to be a free agent. But I liked what he brought. He was big. He was tough. I mean, the guy had a, a you know, had an appendicitis. You know, during the playoffs, and came back like two games later. You know, against Dallas, I, I don't hate it. You know, I actually don't hate but it like at all. He, you know, I, this is not me advocating for Brian Boyle specifically, but <laughs> I liked what he brought. You know, he's what six foot seven, six foot six, big guy. So he no brings bullshit. an element. Yeah, you know, okay. you know, he commanded respect in that dressing room. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I saw it right away. Like they need someone like that. You know, Maroon, I think, would bring something like that, especially yeah. because they traded the one guy who had the Stanley Cup experience in Nick Bonino. Yeah. So, gets, I mean, doing the quick math in my head, does anybody else, does anybody on the team want, has, has anybody on the team won a Stanley Cup? No. Yeah. I think Nick Bonino was the only player on the team to have won a Stanley Cup. So, why don't you go get another guy who did? Yeah. You know, it's not a bad idea. That's, yeah.
0: I, yeah. I'm with you. I don't have a problem with either of those two guys, especially if it gives you a bunch of extra cap space. To either and this is the other thing not just resign players in the future but maybe do some playing around the deadline too like that that having that cap space at the deadline could be a big thing for them as well all right you want to get to the draft picks real quickly here uh I, you wrote about this i think or had somebody from the athletic write about this i'm not exactly <laughs> sure somebody made the case for
1: i wrote about it with the help of our draft expert
0: there you go uh Yurislav Askarov is a goaltender out of Russia and again i will admit i have not watched a lot of U18 KHL hockey okay but by and large this player is viewed as one of the best prospects at his position in years now here is my here's my question for you Rine we don't know what the future holds most likely he is this is his final season as a Nashville Predator UC Soros in my opinion has earned the right to get a shot to be the full-time starting goaltender for the Nashville Predators they have a very solid if not upside prospect in Connor Ingram in the AHL, ready to slide in behind UC Saros when Pekka leaves in a year. I know that Askarov is a long-term play and maybe has more upside than all of these guys. I get all of that. It still feels like a luxury pick to some degree for David Poyle to go goaltender with the 11th overall pick in the draft. I am not one of the people that thinks that the Preds have net-minding problems post-Pekka Rinne. I think they have something to at least give it a shot. With Soros and Ingram, am the, I wrong about that? The
1: good news in in, in your case, and you're based on your argument, the good news is is that Oskarov is at least two years away. He is under contract in the KHL until 2022, and it's possible he could stay in the KHL after that. But that two that that two year window gives the Predators an opportunity to see what. The, you know what the future is going to be like. Next season, it's going to be Pecorino and UC Saros. But the following season, it could be UC Saros and Connor Ingram. So,
0: which feels like as far as as far as following up the greatest player in franchise history or whatever, goal like tending, it feels like that's a pretty solid plan.
1: Goaltending ten, goal is the least of their concerns when you look from an organizational standpoint. I, that that is why I that's underst- my argument. That is why I understand your point of view. But as you said. You know, goaltenders don't typically get taken in the first round, um, but there seems to be something very special about this young man, and I am of the mind, personally, that I am not sold that UC Saros and Connor Ingram are the future of the Predators in the way that Pecorine was. That, that doesn't mean that they can't be. I just don't see... UC Saros or Connor Ingram becoming the workhorse franchise number one goaltender that Pecarine was for a decade, and it does not hurt to have. I don't know if you can call Oscarov a, a fallback option, but because he's really, really good, but it doesn't hurt to have that in there. I mean, Oscarov has the potential to be a Pekarene-like goaltender and be the future of this organization. It it feels like a
0: lot of forces. Are coming together at the exact right time potentially if in your mind and if and obviously in David Poyle's mind because he made the pick the idea is is all right we're, we're going to shed a bunch of players I'm not going to call it a rebuild because I don't believe in windows they've got a lot of core players already there they've got two goaltenders that are that are going to be on the roster that follow up the departure of a historically good player in Pecorino and oh by the way you're picking 11th highest you've picked in in four or five years in the draft and oh by the way there's a prospect worthy of being picked there Right, So it's almost like you've got three or four different forces at play saying, if you're going to quote-unquote rebuild, now's the time to get a big chip for the future. Now's the time you actually have a player worthy of being picked there. And oh, by the way, you're actually picking there for the first time in years. It feels like those forces were at play with that decision.
1: I think it's funny. There was a comment on my story on Monday about why the Predators should take Oskarov. Um mark mark c who i will get to at a point said that if they he said i will rip my hair out and set fire to something if they draft a goalie at number 11 which is what they did
0: i haven't seen anything burning yet
1: but i no, i will give mark credit mark tweeted at me when i when i mentioned it on twitter on tuesday night pulled out a piece of his hair and lit it on fire <laughs> and put it on twitter so i i will Good for give you mark c. mark c you are my number, you are, I'm your number one fan right now. You are my number one reader. You know, you put his money where his mouth is. But I understand that the Predators have more needs up front than they do in goal. And hypothetically, the a forward playing in the OHL or the, you know, the whatever junior league, would be ready to make a difference for this team sooner than a goaltender in the cage. That's the argument. But when I looked at the top 10, you know, the Predators picked at 11, of course. When I looked at the top 10 and I looked at the forwards that were available to the Predators at 11, and I looked at them versus Oskarov, based on everything I've read and talked to with our draft experts, I didn't see a forward there that was a slam dunk. There were some forwards that were available that were intriguing, but when I looked at the potential of Oskarov versus the forwards that were available at 11, I said to myself, Oskarov okay. is the right pick. Like like you look at some of the players that were taken right before the Predators went. Uh, Marco Rossi, I believe, went to Minnesota. Cole Perfetti, I think, went to Winnipeg. If one of those players was available at 11, then I might have said, you got to jump on one of these forwards that's sliding down the draft order. But they were taken right ahead of Nashville. Yeah. So I just think that it was not a reach to take Oskarov at 11. And I think it would have been more of a reach to take a forward, one of the forwards that was available, more than it was a reach to take Oskarov at 11.
0: It's an NFL team taking a backup quarter. It's an NFL team using a first-round pick to take a quarterback who slid down the board. Because they think he's going to take over in a couple years as the franchise guy. It was it was the Packers taking Aaron Rodgers when Brett gonna, Favre was still. It was playing. like
1: the Jordan Love move, kind of. Yeah,
0: you know, I don't want to talk about that one. As a Packers fan, I like the Rodgers move a little bit
1: better. <laughs> I know, but but like, but, but you're that, right. That's your right. point. Like, you're, no, you're right. They used their first round pick on the backup quarterback.
0: If the Titans they just signed Ryan Tannehill. If the Titans were to take an elite level quarterback in the first round next year because he fell down draft boards, knowing he's the replacement for Ryan Tannehill in a couple of years, that would be what what we're talking about.
1: Right. This is not a move that is going to help the Predators right now. Very few draft picks help their teams right now. In the NHL, you know, Alexi Lafreniere will help the New York Rangers. Quinton Byfield will help the Los Angeles Kings next season. You know, there are teams that, there are teams that picked in the top 10 whose draft picks will be in their opening night lineup. But after you get past those first 10, 15 picks, it doesn't really happen very often. So I thought Oskarov to me was a slam dunk. Um, I think it okay. was the right, I think it was the right move, and I think, you know, he, I hate to do this because it's it, there's nothing that UC Saros can do about it, but I just do not have, I do not have 100 percent confidence that a 5'11 goaltender can be a franchise goaltender. I mean that that's not again that there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah, he, that's just how he is, and UC Saros makes up for his lack of size with excellent positioning, but. There's no I,
0: wasted movement on UC Saros.
1: The average, I did, I did this research on Monday. The average height. There were 66 goaltenders who played at least 10 games in the NHL last season. Their average height was six foot two. Oscarov is six foot three. Saros is five eleven. I just, I just don't hmm. think there is. I, I just don't. I just wonder if that's going to work against UC being the number one for a long time.
0: I, I think it's, I think it's worked against UC's entire career. I do think he's yes. also used his other skills his quickness his concise compact movements where he's like you said always in position the anticipation learning a lot of that from pekka the last couple of years is going to help him and, and certainly having the relationship and the bond that he's got with pekka i, I think he's earned a chance and, oh absolutely and a, and a shot at it for sure Absolutely, so,
1: he's absolutely earned a chance i'm just not sure he is the slam dunk heir apparent to be
0: and i guess it's possible but seems unlikely that Ingram could also be taken in the expansion draft, right? It's Ingram, possible, but seems unlikely. Yes,
1: Ingram is eligible for the expansion draft. I imagine there will be more experienced goaltenders right. who are available.
0: All right. So second round pick, 42nd overall, Luke Evangelista. He's a 18-year-old kid out of the OHL for for the uh, London Knights. Uh, handsy, toolsy, scoring winger, 5'11", um, 165, small kid. Not He's going to need some time to develop. But clearly, Poyle's strategy was... Once you once you got Askarov was to take a take whoever you felt was a higher end upside scoring winger type player with the second round pick, and then stock up on defense, which they did. Of course, Luke Procup, uh, Adam Wilsby, Luke Reed, their next three picks, all defensemen, uh, and then of course you get to a couple of seventh round picks who are I don't know how much seventh round picks contribute, but the greatest Gunner seventh Wolf. round pick
1: <laughs> in NHL history, Gunnar Gun- Wolf Fontaine, and what's funny is because yes. Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. Sounds like, um, sounds like a uh one of the villains from the Mighty Ducks movie where they played Iceland in the in the that's, tournament. That's a good point. Um, good call by you. But he's from Rhode Island. He's not, you know. When I saw Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, I thought you're huh. like
0: he's he's from the Germany.
1: Yeah, I thought he might be from Germany. Maybe he's you know Baltic or something, but. He's from Rhode Island, and you nice. know, I not
0: a lot of American players taken in this draft. I don't feel like
1: no. They're actually, you know, what I think we saw that I think I read this on ESPN that there were only two Americans taken in the first round of the draft. Yeah, it was one of
0: the worst drafts for American talent ever. Yeah, it was I mean, bad. Jake
1: Sanderson went early to uh, went early to the Ottawa Senators, and I think Brandon uh, Brandon uh, Brisson went. To yep. the Vegas Golden Knights, I think those were the only two American forwards, American players, that were drafted in the first round.
0: Come on, America! Uh, all right. Okay.
1: By the way, I just have to say this: the the coach of the villainous Icelandic hockey team in D two, the Mighty Ducks, was Wolf the Dentist Stanson. <laughs> there you it. So, have so Wolf, Wolf, Wolf
0: would course would coach Gunnar Wolf.
1: Yes, Gunnar Wolf sounds like the hot shot on right. Team Iceland, who who slashed Adam Banks and broke his wrist, <laughs> and I don't know.
0: You don't mess with that in banks, man. Come on. No. Um. All right. Anything? Uh, again, lots of lukes. Some defense there. Again, we don't. We're not. We're not draft experts. We're not draft experts here. After so. the
1: news of the, the major news of the, I will be honest with you and our our valuable listeners. After the news of Benito and Torres, I stopped paying attention to the draft. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. I, I, I kept. I mean, it had it on in the background, but I was I was doing other things.
0: All right. So. Uh, every week on the show, we also want to ask people to, when you review the the show, you can of course ask Adam, anything you want. You can ask me anything you want. Not that anybody cares about me. Um, but you can get to Adam, uh, again, in the reviews, ask any questions. We'll make sure to answer those on the next episode. So please throw those in there, rate, review and subscribe and share the product with everybody out there. who's a predators fan. We do appreciate it uh, out there. Uh, I need to know, um, we, we need to give your lovely wife some shout outs every week on the show. I think. Yes. And this week, uh, I- I'm just curious, like like what, because she's at home too, right? Because of the pandemic stuff.
1: Well, she actually just started a job at the Metro Health Department, so now she's actually working in the office. Oh, good. So I'm home by myself.
0: First of all, good for her doing God's work there. Yeah, uh, we do appreciate people. If there's a, if if anything is needed right now, it's a Metro Health office that runs smoothly. <laughs> um, so being at home, that's interesting. What's that been like for you? Because I'm my wife is currently upstairs right now (laughs) while we are taping well
1: you you live in a lovely home i live in a one-bedroom apartment so it's a bit different you know where where there's not much room to hide um you know i think it's so you haven't hated it no i mean i think it's been better i think honestly i think things have been better since she went back to work like you know yeah pretzel and i you know have boys days you know we do our boy things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, in the house. What does that entail? Now I don't know. We go, on walk- we go on walks and we play. And, okay. You know, I mean, after I leave here, I have to go home and I actually have to come back over to East Nashville so he can get his nails trimmed. You wow. Know? So, so I, that's a boy's I, day. That's a boy's day. Pretzel he, he, getting your nails trimmed. Well, I'm not getting my nails <laughs> trimmed. He's getting his nails trimmed. I I heard both of you were doing um, it. But, you know, what, what's fun. <laughs> What's funny is apparently there has recently been news in Nashville that the metro government is, is thinking about deputizing metro employees, metro health employees to uh, write citations for for people who are not wearing masks. And Bridget is all about that. She would become drunk with really? power. She, was be- she would become <laughs> drunk with power. And she said to me, last you get night. a fine
0: and you get a fine. She
1: would she would take it very seriously. I feel like she would have a, a bullhorn. Or a walkie-talkie that's not connected to anything. Uh, I think
0: we need more people like her right now. Yes, frankly. So, uh, as the Tennessee Titans probably agree.
1: Yeah, that's a shit show. Uh, Tell me about it. I, 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 know you've, I know you've oh, ranted I'm, about I'm, this. I'm done with it. Yeah, but it's, I, I
0: don't know. They, you know what the, the Titans need? She needs to, your wife needs to stand outside of St. Needs Thomas. Needs to Sports stand Park. outside. She needs to be employed by the Titans in her, as her side gig. To stand there with a bullhorn at the facility, or maybe at NBA—I don't know—and and just tell people to do the right smart things.
1: She should just write mask citations to the Titans. You know,
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, all right, so there's our there's our weekly shout to uh, Mrs. Vingan. Yes. Uh, if uh, if we can do that every week on the show, that'll be good. I know that means she'll listen.
1: <laughs> yes. To the product. she'll rate, review, and subscribe.
0: Rate, review, and subscribe. Pay for good journalism as well. You got great stuff up at the Athletic. What, what you got coming for people? uh that are that are too well out. i
1: had a story that went up last night so you may have missed it late last night while watching the vice presidential debate which i did to cool down from a long day of uh, nhl draft coverage um it, so, it
0: was refreshing to have two adults on stage
1: yeah it, it it was less shouting but it was more or less the same substance it yeah was just I, less I, shouting
0: but people need to know it's a reality television yes. show. yes not, nothing of what they're doing is it's all performative art yes and it really doesn't have anything to do with the job they're trying to get but, but i wrote whatever.
1: about the decision to buy out kyle Turris and what that now means going forward with free agency starting tomorrow um free agency starts at 11 a.m central tomorrow yeah we uh, taped
0: before free yes. agencies that so don't we'll the, ni- recap the nice free agency thing later.
1: about this year's free agency i guess it just the new cba is the legal tampering period uh that preceded free agency has been eliminated so while it's probably still happening tomorrow, intends tomorrow should be more exciting because contracts will be, uh, you flying know, left we'll, and right. Will be uh, flying left and right as soon as the market opens. So that should be fun, and we'll have all of the re- reaction and analysis at the Athletic NHL
0: and on this show next week. Thank you guys for listening adam Vingan, follow him on twitter at adam Vingan. my name is braden gall you can follow me at braden gall please rate review and subscribe and share and tell all your friends that is how we grow this show that is how we give you as good content as we possibly can here on the gold standard of course a product of 440 sports all right thanks so much adam do appreciate it Uh, enjoy your weekend we'll be back next week talking more preds hockey right here on the gold standard